This is Ashley Hodge joined by Kendall Cout, Ring Before Spring. Uh, Kendall, you just got back from Maui. Um, welcome back to the United States and the uh, beautiful Kansas City area this time of year. Yeah, very tough to leave what is now my homeland, especially when I found out Maui had a Canes when I got off the plane. <laughs> I knew it's where I belonged, but, you know, you got to enjoy the 30-degree weather we have in Kansas City, so I'm back. <laughs> what was your favorite thing you did in Maui? Uh, a lot of cool stuff. Um, we saw some turtles yesterday slash today. Time yeah. is kind of a nebulous concept now, but we saw some sea turtles, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, those are the, there's a lot of interesting uh, sea life out there on the islands for sure. Well, yeah, welcome I back. Think Baylor's in the November 25 Maui, so oh, we sweet. all are out there then. I don't know if I'm breaking news or I'm not supposed to break or whatever yet, but I think Baylor's in Maui in November of 25. Yeah, that's great. That, that You put need to make plans for that. That's That'll be fun. Oh, heck uh, yeah. BJ Edgecombe's uh, second year, I guess, as a Baylor Bear. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk uh, Baylor basketball. Um, it's been a you know interesting stretch here. Houston game that was kind of a roller coaster of emotions. They lose that game, but they but they really I think found some things in that second half that really they were able to build on and uh, great performance at TCU. I was I was a little reluctant to go to that TCU game. I have to admit, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I can stand the thought of watching TCU sweep us and. Then I was like, what am I talking about? We own that. I mean, that's Fort Dixon. We, we, we went in Fort Dixon every year, you know, except for uh, one of our best teams ever uh, lost to Desmond Bain there. But most years we do win there. And uh, this year was no exception. Uh, great performance defensively. TCU looked like they'd never seen a zone in their life. Uh, certainly didn't attack it very well. But uh, credit to our, our scheme and, and how we defended. I mean, we really tied them up in knots and they missed shots, but uh, most of them were contested and, we got good performances from Jacoby Walter, Jalen Bridges, Ray J. Dennis, and walk out of there with a the win. Uh, absolutely. And Baylor, I think, is up to somewhere around 57 in defensive efficiency, yeah, depending on jump. when you look at it. And, you know, if you want to get optimistic about Baylor, maybe the takeaway team would be 2018 Duke. Uh, that team lost in the Elite Eight when Grayson Allen's shot to beat KU in regulation went in and out. But that Duke team had a lot of offensive firepower with Marvin Bagley, Grayson Allen. Uh, Gary Trent, and then they switched to a zone late in the season. They went 2-3 instead of 1-3-1, uh, but their 2-3 zone got the defense good enough that Duke was a real threat to make the Final Four and nearly made it, if not for Malik Newman, having the week of his life in the Elite Eight might have done so. So there is precedent for if your defense is awful, switching to a zone and getting better. I don't know that Baylor will follow that path exactly, but if people like historical precedent, there is one out there for the Bears. Yeah, I, I really want to see us win these next three games. I think we can win them, and I really think we should win them. I mean, I think that Texas Tech is tough to beat there, but that'll probably be our hardest game on paper. You know, Texas is certainly a capable opponent of beating us, and we know Kansas is never an easy game, but they're wounded uh, with the Kevin McCuller injury. So I, I would love to see us win these next three and, and make a little run in the Big 12 tournament, maybe even win it. I mean, that would that would make you feel a lot better about our chances to do some damage in the, in the NCAA tournament. If we can get to that two seed or, you know, obviously just a three would be great. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I still think this team has the capability. You look at our losses and except for the Michigan State game, everything's close, you know, and, and you have a chance to win all those games late into the, you know, end of the game. So I, I, I do think we – have a, have a you know team that's capable of beating anybody. We showed that against Houston. 
you know, you'd like to see us play them and beat them on a neutral court, obviously, versus our home. But, um, you know, I, th- I think we I think we have a good good team, and, you know, we're starting to come together, starting to show more toughness. The rebounding has really picked up since that BYU game. I mean, terrific job against Houston and then just totally own the glass against TCU. Yep, real improvements there. And, Ashley, before we move on, I know every year after the Big 12 tournament you kind of swear off you're never going again. <laughs> Are you going to the Big Twelve tournament this year? I have a media credential, um, so <laughs> I do have one. I do have a placeholder. Jack McKenzie's going to be there from Sikkim Three Sixty Five, uh, doing his excellent job of taking photos and video and all that. Um, and I do. I also have clients to go see because I was going to, if you remember, uh, you you braved it and made the trip to Kansas State, and I was planning on it, but there was some ice uh, issues around that trip, so I decided not to from Dallas Fort Worth. A uh, pretty long, longer drive, you know, obviously for me than it was for you. But, um, yeah, so I, I do have some people to go see, and I am um, tentatively keeping those days flexible. <laughs> I only ask because I wish one of these years we would just record you after the Big 12 tournament where you're like, I'm never going back again. Oh, I say it every me. year. I say it every year. And then, yeah, Baylor has like a nice couple-game stretch, and every year before the tournament you're like, you know, I think this is the year it's going to happen. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for it. Ashley wanted to see it happen, but. I just don't want to see another, you know, Taylor gets blown out by Iowa State, which would be far greater into the tournament this year than last year. Um, <laughs> right. But I, I do always like the recurring cycle of optimism, which is sort of what I always get um, <laughs> against in the Baylor-KU games, where I'm like, no, no, I always pick KU at Allen Fieldhouse, and by the time the game happens, I'm like, well, you know, things break right, and KU doesn't win every game there. Um, I think we have the same cycles for you, or the eternal optimist in Kansas City. I'm the internal optimist in Lawrence. <laughs> well, shout out to BYU last night. Um, I, know, I know, you know, we should have beaten Kansas at Kansas, and I, I wish we had that game over to play again. I don't think we're going to turn it over 21 times. Uh, but they BYU gets it done. They, you know, they have hot shooting down the stretch. Uh, Dallin Hall makes makes a big step back three to put them up five, and and they get they get it done. And you know that was that was impressive. Uh, yeah, let's re- let's let's take a, a walk down memory lane with the Big 12 tournament. So last year, Jalen Bridges is unbelievable. Uh, seven for eight from three, scores 28 points. We waste that performance with, um, uh, you know, losing 78 to 72. Defense, you know, was was uh, pretty dismal in that one. Uh, so Iowa State gets a sweep on Baylor last year. Uh, we we beat Iowa State this year. We've already beaten them. So, you know, we, we know we're capable of beating them again. Um, you know, the year before that, we go to Oklahoma. Uh, we play Oklahoma. And we lose seventy-two to sixty-seven. Uh, you know that 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 team was a one seed, so that that was disappointing. Um, the year before that, we we do beat Kansas State in in a you know pretty tough game. Kansas State was terrible. That was uh, Bruce Weber's last year or second to last year, or last year last year because Tang Tang's been there two years. Yep. Um, so or th- this is his third year, Tang. Um, I'm, I'm this is his up. second year. Uh, Bruce Weber's final season was last. Okay. Or two okay. Years ago. Yeah, they all run together a little bit for me too. <laughs> yeah, so so we we win that game, um, not easy, and then and then Oklahoma State beats us by nine. Kate Cunningham and company, our national championship year. So so even when we have a, a national championship team, we don't we don't do much in the in the Big Twelve tournament. Year before that, it was canceled. Um, we we remember that well because of COVID. Year before that, we lose to Iowa State eighty three to sixty six. I think that was Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Horton Tucker and and company. Uh, Horton Tucker had a great game in that game. I remember that. So we get yeah, I think smoked. That's the Iowa State team that goes on to lose the first game to Ohio State in the tournament too. 
Yes. Well, and last year the the Ohio State team gets uh, trucked by Pitt. They lose to somebody in the NCAA tournament. I, now I gotta look this up. I'm curious. Was Ohio State Pittsburgh fifty nine to forty one? They lose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They get they get smoked by Pitt, and you know, I, one of those situations where I think they kind of let them play in the Big Twelve, call a little tighter in in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. and. You know, I think Iowa State and Houston may have that issue again this year. Uh, we'll see. But uh, then, then in eighteen, uh, we Is that lose West Virginia. West Virginia, seventy-eight, sixty-five. I think that was the game that I got kicked out of the Big Twelve tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I think that was a really late night game too, and there was like nobody left at that game. Yeah, yeah, that was Manu Lacant, uh, Jake Lindsay. They turned us over twenty-two times. That was a, that was a thing of beauty. I remember watching the second half of that with Jason King from the lot. Well, no, Jason King stayed for the whole thing, but uh, yeah, I watched it from my hotel room because I uh, had a little incident uh, during that game. Not one of my prouder moments, but um, uh, oh, yeah, seventeen. Did they lose early to K State? K State. Yeah. All right. So that's one win since two thousand sixteen. In 2016, we beat Texas and lose to Kansas in the semis. Yeah, I think 15's the same deal. 15, we beat West Virginia and lose to Kansas in the semis. And okay. Then, and then 14 was the year that we made the final game, and we lose to Iowa yeah, State. Yeah, four games, four days. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we have not done well in Kansas City. Um, yeah, other than 20 um, – 14 17 I've been in oh. every one of Baylor's in, or every one of Baylor's Big 12 tournament games uh since 2014 so I've right. been in all the other ones um but yeah it was funny after 2014 it was kind of like oh does Scott Drew and Baylor kind of own Kansas City and they just don't play four games four days they're going to break through right and from you know 2009 to 2014 some really good runs by Baylor minus the Perry Jones suspension uh in 2011 makes us feel old when we're talking about the Perry Jones <laughs> right. 2011 suspension and you right. got, you're like we didn't even hit that going through the last seven years. So yeah, I, I know every year we talk about, is this the year Baylor kind of makes a run at it, but maybe the double buy will give some incentive for Baylor to really grind up and go um, this cycle. But it also, I think adds to the pressure or the lack of pressure in Kansas city when they're like, well, the year we got smoked by Oklahoma state, they won the national championship. So I don't know, but I know I, yeah. I want it to happen for you, Ashley, because you eternally get optimistic in early March about <laughs> Kansas City, and this this year's going to be different. And well, I want it to happen for you. And I know Scott wants to win it. I mean, I I think that's uh, bothers him a lot. It, I mean, let's be honest here. You know, I, I don't think ba- basketball um, is as corrupt as some sports, but it is good for business when Iowa State, Kansas, and Kansas State um, go to the semifinals. <laughs> It's it's really good for the city, right? I mean, uh, it went you know. So if if you have one or two of those in the semifinals, then you might be able to sneak in there. And what happens from there, I don't think the city cares as much. But I think they definitely want you know as many of those three teams in the semis as possible for obvious reasons. It's worth millions of dollars to the city to have those teams there. Yeah, uh, you and I having been there so often, it is a much different feel. Like, I think it was, yeah, 2014 when I think KU lost to Iowa State in the early semifinal session, then Baylor played Texas. There were probably 2,200 fans <laughs> at that game uh, because, yeah, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of people in Waco waiting to drive to DFW or folks putting down the skyline chili in Cincinnati ready to board a flight uh, <laughs> if things go their way, which is why it's like, yeah, I, I understand the Four Corner Schools want the tournament to be in 
Vegas. But, you, I mean, you do give credit that Iowa State, KU, and K-State really turn out for that tournament. Well, in ways it, that unfortunately, the particularly Iowa State. Yeah, particularly Iowa State. We got, I mean, give credit where credit's due. Kansas fans definitely show up, and obviously they should, and Kansas State fans. But for Iowa State to be, what, three or four hours away? Um, they they fill that place. I mean, it's amazing every year how, how many f- their fans come down for that tournament. I get. I mean, yeah, it's their big you, vacation of the year, though. It, it is, and having been to Ames several times, I can I can understand why they would get on the highway. <laughs> They're playing Oklahoma right now. It's a twelve twelve game. Think of beauty. Nine minutes left in the first half. It's uh, it's been a lot of good offense. Um. Well, yeah. So, uh, what's your take on the Kansas game this weekend? Baylor should win this game. Uh, Baylor has split the series every year going yep. back to 2020 um, and then split it in 2018 and did not in 2019. But I think really decent chance Baylor would have split that series if they'd had more than a few days to prepare for Tristan Clark's injury uh, right. where they lost that game but by, I think, only like five or six points after getting down by like 20. And Makai Mason didn't play in that game um, either, did he? Like, I think he got hurt right before the Kansas game and didn't end up playing, if, if memory serves me right. I, I can't remember if. I know he didn't play in Lawrence for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, he played. He played in Waco. He played in Waco. Yeah, but not Lawrence. Yep. yep. And then that's when Jared had his great game. Um, but yeah, this is a game Baylor should win. Uh, given the se- series splits they've had, that favors Baylor. The kind of two challenges I look at. First, we're going to assume Kevin McCuller doesn't play. Right. Uh, I certainly know Scott. After Blake Griffin played, when OU acted like there was no chance he was playing, has always been fearful of that. Not sure. want to get bit by it. So they'll have some plan ready if McCuller plays, but given where self is and what's been said, it sounds like it's more likely Kevin McCuller doesn't play again for KU than he plays on Saturday. Right. Uh, so I don't expect to see him. Uh, Baylor started out in a zone in Lawrence. I asked Bill Self about that after the game, and he was like, yeah, I was surprised by it. Uh, I think the challenge, despite KU being such an awful three-point shooting team, is that KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson are such good passers that they can get in the lane pretty easily, and given Self and Drew have battled uh, for over 20 years now, uh, I don't know if the zone will be as effective on Saturday. Now, I think Baylor's going to win this game, but I just don't know if Baylor's going to zone for 35 minutes and be successful. I think you can play man-to-man. I think you can just ignore K.J. Adams when he's in the corner. I think you can be late to recover on Dewan Harris. And then, I mean, you look at the Lawrence game. Jaden Nunn couldn't have gotten a better shot at the end. Jacoby Walter had an incredible look. And if Nick Timberlake's the guy you got to have for KU make a, a kind of game for it, I just expect Baylor to win this game, and they should. Obviously, KU doesn't often lose two games in a week, but uh, this is not the same KU team most seasons. Baylor should win this game, and I expect on Saturday I'll be there. Baylor will win that game. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, I think that um, a couple things in that game in, in Lawrence, uh, Langston didn't play. Hopefully he plays Saturday. Who knows? We'll see how effective he can be, even if he does play. But uh, 21 turnovers, that was terrible. And and I'm sure the points, if I, I haven't looked it up, points off turnovers – I'm, I'm assuming gave Kansas 10 to 14, maybe 16, you know, easy points. Um, otherwise, you know, Baylor really did a good job against them defensively. And, and what you say, you know, man, mostly man to man, they hold them to under one point per possession. You could argue, you know, Kansas did miss some open shots, but uh, you know, Baylor, I think played, played pretty good defense in that game. If memory serves me right, they just, the turnovers were just, uh, a major issue and and they really out rebounded you know Kansas too it was uh 42 to 25 on the glass which is incredible so um yeah I think I think there's some advantages that Baylor has but as you said you know Bill Self does have a history of carving up our zone when we played zone so I know that it'll be a chess match and the adjustments that our coaches make and 
and the Kansas coaches makes uh, will be interesting to to see. Uh, but you know, with, without Kevin McCuller, um, it would be really disappointing if we if we don't you know really not only win the game, but I, I think I think you know Baylor should win this game convincingly. I think so too. It'd be great with where Baylor is, and I think they probably want to. We'll see what Baylor decides with the back end of the rotation. I'd like to see Merrill Little get more minutes when Baylor needs a sub, and maybe inserting someone else who might play um, some of those minutes as well. So I think it'd be nice if Baylor had a comfortable lead in one of these final three games to give Miro 10 minutes plus in one of them so he gets more familiar with the rotation. You don't have to play um, maybe somebody else who's not really a shooting threat. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I, it's going to be an interesting game. Texas, uh, to me, is a little bit more worrisome. You know, they, Texas has been such a complete mystery this year. I mean, you know, they, they have had games where you're like, oh, boy, you know, they, they're starting to figure it out. And and they've been a little better, you know, since they got Dylan DeSue back, uh, you know. But they're seven and eight in conference. Um, they, you know, they 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 lose pretty easily to Kansas. Um, you know, they Houston blows them out. Um, you know, Iowa State beats them. You know, I think, but they've been playing. You know, some of these games competitively. Uh, they did lose at West Virginia. You know, they lose to UCF at home. You know, it's it, it's all over the place, but they you know they had a pretty convincing win against Texas Tech in Lubbock. Um, they got Oklahoma State on Saturday, which which you know they should win that game. But Oklahoma State's playing a lot better, and then they have a turnaround to Bay, you know, to play us in Waco. Um, you know, are is that with Dylan DeSue? You know, they've been better. I mean, is that that game worry you at all, or do you think uh, Baylor's just better than Texas? It does. I think for both teams, the quick turnaround to Monday. Uh, with Baylor not playing quite as many guys right now, especially if Langston can't go Saturday or Monday. Right. You worry about how the depth handles that uh, really quick turnaround. Then, as you mentioned, very bipolar season for Texas. Probably should have beat Houston and Austin. Uh, hit every three imaginable the first half against Baylor, as we all know. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, Tyrese Hunter and Max Abemis start 7 of 10 for three. And I wouldn't be shocked if they start 1 of 10 and Baylor wins by 20. Right. Um, I don't think the KU game is going to get out of sorts where either team wins by 10 plus. I could see Baylor winning the Texas game by 15. I could also see Baylor losing by eight. I think Baylor's going to win that game as well. Um, and I think the key is just get out on Tyrese Hunter early. Don't let him get hot because he seems like a guy who really needs to score well early on. And if he does and he's not as effective, I think if you can limit Tyrese Hunter early. And then I know Dylan DeSue's made some threes this season, but I'm, I'm okay if Dylan DeSue goes five of five from three. Right. I think you got to dare him to be what he was in Austin. I don't think he will be. And uh, it's sort of weird with Texas. It's like if Texas, you know, can win out, you're like, wow, can Texas get up to like a six or a seven seed? And then you're like, well, you know, it's still my hot take. But if Texas doesn't win, you know, another Big Twelve game, I don't know that they're going dancing. So it's a right. weird final three games for Rodney Terry and the Longhorns. Yeah, you got you know Max Asmus, uh You know he's he's starting to I think you know get better down the stretch. You know he's. Um, Starting to you know get it fill his way around the Big Twelve a little bit. Um, he's a dangerous shooter, obviously. Did you mean him when you when you said uh, Tyrese Hunter, or were you were you uh, more concerned about cutting Tyrese Hunter off? I'm more concerned about Tyrese because yeah. I think Amos can get going uh, any time, but I feel like Tyrese when he doesn't get going at first, just right. kind of chases shots or yep. thinks, "Oh man, why am I even still in college? I thought I was going to Texas <laughs> for a year, getting paid, and I'd be in the NBA by now." <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I, that'll be an interesting game. And then, of course, the closer at Lubbock, uh, you know, if if um, 
you know, Texas Tech, I think, thought they would win that one yesterday. They got two, you know, away games that they could lose against West Virginia and Oklahoma State. So so if they were to drop both of those or, or you know, one of them, their fan base, fan base may be a little bit checked out for that final game. It's I think it's spring break for most of the students anyway. So uh, that'll be interesting to see what kind of environment they have in Lubbock. They had a raucous environment last night. Did you see some of the footage uh, that was circulating from that game? I did. Uh, we were had a red-eye flight back from Maui, but uh, the tech student getting kicked out, chanting um, an expletive, UT, uh, Brock Cunningham, uh, deciding if they give him a seventh year of eligibility, he wants to play football. Uh, a lot of cool stuff, I guess, going on in Lubbock. I think it was Ric Flair there yet again. Um, I don't know. The, the, it's it, To me, it's not a rivalry anymore now that uh, Chris Beard roams the sidelines at Ole Miss. Right. Uh, at Ole Miss, but I know that they're still angry that their coach who got fired because of a domestic violence arrest left them. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's weird that that's considered such a rivalry school still uh, for Texas Tech. But, yeah, not a good one for them. And then throwing trash on the floor, uh, you know, not not a good day for the Lubbock faithful. But I know there are a lot of days that probably aren't good for the Lubbock faithful um, in life. <laughs> Graham McCaslin has to get on the uh, microphone and encourage – the fan base to uh, st- stop throwing trash because uh, otherwise there will be, a, you know, there's two technicals assessed. So he was saying they'll keep, they'll keep giving us technicals as long as we throw trash on the, on the court. Uh, I did, I did hear that, you know, Rodney, I, I didn't see the tweet, but somebody had mentioned in a group text that Rodney Terry was, was whining about getting hit in the head with, with a, a beer bottle, I think is what he said. And then the footage showed that it was like a, a, one of those tiny, like fireball plastic, you know, uh, miniature <laughs> shots. You know, like somebody threw it, threw at his head and hit him. So you know, a little bit of exaggeration by uh, Rodney Terry. It sounds like, but not the first time that's happened. Uh, I think there was an incident in Waco where he got into it with the women's basketball team and made all kinds of accusations there as well. So uh, welcome, welcome to Waco, Rodney. Uh, we'll we'll be ready for you. And and what yeah. what maybe his last appearance in Waco ever? I mean, that's. Uh, do you think we'll play Texas? Um, probably not at home and home. I would assume just like you know some random tournaments down the line. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, you, you know uh, obviously Scott and Mac have alluded to oh we'd be interested in scheduling them, but I kind of get being like no, there's not really the need to schedule them. Right. Like if anything, I think I would schedule Aggie first. Right. Uh, one, it's a guaranteed victory, uh, and two. <laughs> It's like you kind of understand why Aggie left because they recognized Texas was screwing with the conference and you never could really rely upon them. Yeah. Now, I got, you know, other attacks we can love you against Aggie, but uh, I think you play Aggie again um, and you now play Houston. I think it's fine if you want to schedule the Ponies now that they're in the ACC. Right. And I always said I would look much further to see Baylor play UNT than Prairie View A&M. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm fine with Baylor not scheduling Texas for a while because I think Texas is not going to enjoy going to the SEC. I think Texas isn't going to enjoy where its program's heading, and I don't think you give Texas the chance to beat a very, very good team in Baylor in the near future. So I wouldn't schedule the game for at least several years until Texas is really down. Then I'd call and say, you know, why is Texas afraid to play Baylor? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I think I know, like, Scott Drew's philosophy. Um, you know, like, with SMU, I know he would have this philosophy with TCU when they weren't in our same conference either. He'd be like, well, you know, what, what's the upside for us? You know, it's like we legitimize them. We give them a shot. We're, you know, we're their Super Bowl, so to speak. And, you know, it's, it, you know, because Larry Brown would always try to get Baylor on the schedule and Scott just didn't have much interest in doing that. And I, and I don't blame him. You know, it's like, 
you know, what, what's why, you know, it, but, but you, at the ACC, maybe he feels differently. Who knows? Yeah. And I think to me, it was different when Baylor was still trying to rise from really good program to top five program. Yeah. I think now you're there and SMU is, um, been so embarrassed by Florida state's filings in district court claiming that the ACC is clearly so fraudulent that it would accept a school that would forgo television rights, uh, for eight years. <laughs> One of the funniest things I've ever seen in legal filing. Um, absolutely incredible. So I would like to see these games scheduled. I think Baylor so – I don't – again, like if Baylor plays Texas, it's not going to be the end of the world if Baylor loses to UT. Right. Uh, but I'm still just salty about how this all went down in secrecy, how they don't care about anybody. And then my big thing is I think the Big 12 and the ACC need to cartel themselves in the same way in basketball that the SEC and uh, Big 10 are in football. Right. And just look around and say, other than Kentucky and – Maybe Michigan State. Is there really any program that matters on a national level in those two conferences that moves the needle? Yeah. And just have all the Big 12, the ACC, and all the smaller conferences say, hey, if you want us to play in the college football playoff or if you want to play in the NCAA tournament, you better let us have the option to get as many spots in the college football playoff. And if not, we'll go our own way. Oh, and Kentucky can decide what they want to do. <laughs> but yeah, to me, you, you want to play cartel games, you play cartel games right back because. I think it's just an embarrassment to enter a college football playoff format where you're guaranteed fewer bids than those other two leagues and saying, well, thank you for giving us one extra bid or one extra chance. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. I don't want to see it. And if they want to say that as well, then you can say, okay, you can play in the Big 12 ACC collective yeah. national tournament with all the other conferences. Big 12 will be guaranteed nine teams. The ACC will be guaranteed nine. Right. Every other conference is guaranteed one. And the SEC and Big 10 will be guaranteed two. Would you like to play in our tournament? If not, we're fine to have a tournament without you, and we'll go on with our way. <laughs> I love it, man. I think uh, this is uh, ruthless. I, I, I like the thought process for sure. Uh, I like how you're thinking. Any, yep, cartel right back. Yeah. Um, any other uh, observations? Did, did you see what was taking place with the roadkill stuff? Did this uh, cross your radar? I did not see that. What's going on? Okay. So apparently when TCU came to Waco and won in triple overtime, uh, they were chanting roadkill, roadkill, roadkill at the end of the game. So um, as uh, the final moments were winding down for the, um, you know, the Baylor TCU game, I was down there trying to get, you know, I was, I was going to try to get an interview with, uh, ended up with Ray J. Dennis, uh, you know, after the game. And, and so I'm with like, you know, maybe a hundred TCU fans down there and maybe a sprinkling of a couple of Baylor, Baylor fans. And all of a sudden I see the Baylor players going roadkill, roadkill, roadkill. And I was like, Oh gosh, <laughs> what's going on here? This may not uh, turn out great for me, but, but fortunately TCU has um, their lovers, not fighters. Let's put it that way. So I, I think that, um, you know, that, that was not a non-issue. Um, but yeah, that was the reason why they were doing that. Uh, Scott Drew showed them, a bunch of footage after the game or before the game and, you know, wanted our players to know what the TCU players were doing uh, on our court, you know, after they won celebrating and, and chanting roadkill. So we returned the favor after we beat them. I like that. That shows spunk. This team, I think didn't have two months ago. I do think this team's a lot tougher. We got man, Jacoby Walter, man. I tell you, there's something to him. He's, he got some grit. I love that loose ball where he just came out like he was, you know, ready to rip somebody's head off. And, and then, you know, they're chanting air ball, he air balls a three and then he makes his next one and he blows a kiss to the crowd. I mean, I, lo I like that kind of stuff. That's uh that's good. It's good for college basketball. 
Oh, I, I, you can tell by me uh, having cartel conspiracy theories uh, after my red-eye flight. I'm all in for toughness and weirdness, and I love it. <laughs> right. And, uh, I mean, man, TCU's old. Ten, I didn't, I didn't realize this until the game. I mean, I should have known this, but ten guys that are seniors. Um, they, you know, they announced them all. I guess they're going to announce them again on senior day. I don't know why they did it for the Baylor game. but uh, So 5.4 points per senior, uh, 54 points for them. That was impressive. You know, Baylor did a good job just uh, styming their offense. And if it weren't for some Michael PV heroics late in the game, Baylor's up 17 or 18 with like four minutes left, and they end up only losing by eight. So credit to them for making it look uh, respectable at the end. Yeah, maybe Jimmy Dixon will be looking for jobs again this offseason um, with that many seniors, but we'll see what the Horn Frogs can do. Uh, this is probably the year they'd want to make a run. On that 8-9 line, maybe they'll pull off an upset. Yeah. It it isn't. I mean, it's an interesting. Um, oh gosh, uh, it's uh, Oklahoma had pretty bad discipline at the end of the shot clock and sent uh, Iowa State to the line for three. Iowa State's down twenty to sixteen as we talk. So um, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic with the with the senior discussion because I mean we've been having this discussion on the board. I've heard you know we'll probably be less reliant on one and duns going forward. I mean, the flip side argument to that is. I mean, we'll see what happens this year, right? Like, if we make a big run in the tournament, let's say we win the whole thing, then, you know, I think I think Scott will be like, hey, man, that's uh, – what are we thinking? You know, now all these COVID years are, are gone. Let's let's go all in on the one-and-done model or, you know, get as many of the talented guys as you can. Uh, but there's some pros and cons to, to both sides. You know, the way Iowa State's done it, the way Houston's done it, the way um, TCU has done it, get old, stay old, and just compile all these, you know, super seniors. But but you see that their talent level isn't what our talent level is. And so it all comes down to how much physicality are they going to allow? And in the NCAA tournament, is that a formula to advance far in the tournament? Because we know that it's a tighter whistle in the tournament, and talent usually ends up uh, winning over a six-game, you know, you, you have to win six in a row, and, and usually – it's the ta- the most talented teams that are there in the end, right? Yeah, and I'm very much team keep recruiting the one-and-done guys for okay. two reasons. One, I think that the transfer model does not work all the way that well either. All the top transfer candidates are going to be just as in-demand bag money-wise. Right. Uh, I know Baylor's and IL's in a really great spot, so Baylor might be able to outbid people in certain instances, but if you've got some guy that's getting 15 offers at the last second, it just really sets you up for shady last-minute dealings where – Oh, you think that they're going to take your deal for, you know, let's just throw out a number 400, 500 grand. Yeah. And then somebody in the last second comes in for 800 and you're like, well, I thought you were taking our deal at this number. We might have matched, but you don't have the opportunity to, uh, I guess three things for me. Second is the transfer model doesn't necessarily work for a lot of these schools. I mean, you look at Baylor's success lately, obviously the Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Macy Teague era, those two transfers and uh, Teague and Mitchell were super successful, but they sit out a year. You're not in the, everyone's competing for the same pool of talent era which helped out uh both with their development and success doesn't really apply right now i mean kansas is evidence of this that they get hunter dickinson they expect him to be dominant they get kevin mcculler back for a second season this is one of the two worst ku teams probably the last decade right uh, because the transfers aren't guaranteed then third is if you're recruiting high school guys there are two problems there if they're the lower tier guys one they might still be good enough they leave early exhibit a johnny furphy uh ku is probably going to be an nba first round draft pick. Yeah. And so KU thinks, Oh, we're going to build this guy, have him for three years. We'll take a little bit different talent. Well, you still might have him end up being a one and done, but he right. may not be as good as Jacoby Walter. So you recruited a less good player for one season. And the second one is if you don't play those guys immediately, since there's not that 
problem of I got to sit out a year or I'm not going to get paid theoretically when I transferred when the NCAA was supposed to comply with rules. Well, now, if you don't play in one year, there's a really good chance you've just developed somebody for one year and they'll transfer. Right. Or if somebody, let's say, is, you know, has a different perspective family-wise, um, not naming any names from somebody whose family got after me on Twitter for mentioning uh, their son wasn't in the rotation during Baylor's national championship season. Um, sometimes they can develop for three years and then decide all of a sudden they want to transfer in year four. So you've just developed that player to play somewhere else. Whereas if they're one and done, so you don't have to worry that Jacoby Walter or Eve Missy or Eve Missy, excuse me, is going to transfer somewhere else next season. So you get them for one year. You don't develop them for your rivals to suddenly have them play at Houston or somewhere else, even though they weren't in the rotation their freshman season. Um, <laughs> that's de- like that. that's undebatable. It's not debatable. I mean, is that, I know. It's did, also they, did they really, hysterical. they really came after you on that, about that? Yeah. So this K-State fan tweets out that like, how dare Baylor fans boo. Yeah, um, LJ Cryer. Right. Uh, when he was a key rotation piece during the championship season. Right. And I was just like, he was in the rotation, and if Nigel Pack and Miami played K State, I guarantee he'd be booed endlessly. Sure. And then you know, LJ's mom was like, "Not in the rotation. What are you talking about?" And then I was like, you know, I just make this nice comment about LJ. He was really good. I like talking to him over the years. Yeah. But he just wasn't. And then somebody was like, "Yeah, he averaged ten minutes a game." And then I just posted the screen caption of Big Twelve tournament, NCAA tournament, and then somebody you know, a little bit meaner than me on Twitter pointed out that Mark Patterson scored more points in the final four than LJ did. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, he, he was the fifth guard on the team. Right. That was a huge reason. I think that family wasn't very happy as they expected either Maceo or Jared would go pro. Yeah. That didn't happen. They were upset about that. Then the next year, I think they thought he should start. They were upset about that. Then the next year, I don't think they were real thrilled um, about Adam and Keontae getting the ball a lot more than LJ. So, you know, they're upset three years in a row they leave, but I'm not going to rewrite history. The guy was not a rotation piece. It's not, you know, if you replace him with Mark Patterson, Baylor still wins the national championship. Right. Uh, so, no, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to be spun about something like this um, on Twitter. So, no, I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I Look, I try and keep it honest. I, I, whether it's you should have a cartel to fight the SEC, whether it's you're not in the rotation, whatever else, I'm just going to give you whatever my take is. And sorry, you're not a rotation player. LJ Cryer is a freshman. Right. Not even close. Yeah, obviously very good player. Great. best, One of the best shooters in college basketball. Having a good year. Um, but his statistics are, and his usage is almost identical at Houston to what it was at Baylor, you know. Um, so, I mean, good team. You know, obviously Jamal Shedd's the guy there. Yeah, I, I mean, whatever, he transferred, that's fine. I mean, I, th- I think I, I like I like how Baylor ended up, you know, the players they ended up with. I'd love another shot at Houston. I, I have no ill will towards, towards LJ at all. I, I, he was a delight, you know, to, to deal with from a – interview standpoint you know got to know his family i think uh great people but um but yeah you're right i mean <laughs> he was he was maybe the the ninth guy or t- you know I, I mean the ninth guy generously on that team so you know that's a, a very accurate statement that you made and we only played eight <laughs> yeah they, they very much played eight and so i was like look you don't have to get upset you won the game that's great we will see if lj decides to take a fifth year at houston or if he's once again on the market this season who knows yeah right yeah, I mean it's it's interesting times in college basketball. Everybody's a mercenary, you know. I di- I did hear some good news on Langston Love. It sounds like you know there's been, uh, you know some some great talks with him about next year, and uh, I think there's a lot of loyalty on both sides there. So it would be great to get Langston back, and hopefully he just has an injury free year. Man, he's been so snake bit with uh just you know freak injuries, but uh, you know getting him you know fully healthy for for next year would be amazing. Uh, Jada Nunn has turned into, you know, a great player. 
Uh, obviously, we got Rob Wright, you know, VJ Edgecombe coming in, and you, you would like to think they're going to be big contributors. You, you'd love to keep Merrill Little. I think Merrill's uh, shown some signs of some really good things uh, in his minutes. Um, you know, I think, you know, a full year of development for him, you know, in the offseason would be would be amazing. And then the front court, you're going to have to rehaul a little bit. Um, you know, hopefully get Josh back. Jalen Bridges will be interesting to see what he does. I mean, I think he's got that year available if he wants it. I'm, I'm hearing that he's probably going to, you know, move on. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking Baylor's going to hit the transfer market pretty hard for front court players. But, um, you know, I, I know they'll have a plan, and I, I know uh, the backcourt's going to be really good. Agreed on all fronts. I'm excited about Edgecombe um, and Nunn as a combination. I think it's also been great for Miro that he's gotten to play. I think if you don't play at all, you can always think, oh, I'd, I'd be a star if I were out there. But he's developed well in his minutes. He seems like a great teammate. Obviously, you never know what the circles are around people that advise them fully on a decision like that. But it makes the most sense to me that he would stay there and think, hey, Rob Wright's going to be a freshman. I'll be here. If I stay, Baylor's probably not bringing in a third point guard right. uh, to compete. And if Baylor brings in a third point guard, I think both sides could legitimately say, hey, it makes sense for me to transfer. I'm not going to wait around if Baylor brings in you know, a fourth or fifth year senior to – take over the reins at point guard, but if it's going to be Miro, Jaden, uh, and Rob Wright all competing to be the starting point guard, then there's a spot open for another guard. Uh, I think you got to come back if you're Miro. So I do expect him back next season. Yeah, and, and if you get those five guys, I think that's enough in the backcourt personally. Uh, I, I feel really good about that. You know, Jason Azamoda uh, is is going to be a you know great prospect. He, he might turn into Johnny Furphy type, you know, as, as far as a guy that's, not a huge, you know, high recruit, but he's got all the things the NBA is looking for. He can shoot threes, six nine, long wingspan, athletic. Uh, so you know, be interesting to see, watch him develop. And then uh, you know, you, you know, Scott Drew and staff are going to have a plan to get you know two really high qual high quality transfers in the front court. You would think, um, you know, if if you get, I would love to get a guy like uh, the guy at Texas uh, Tech Williams. You know, that came from Nevada. You know, if you could pull off another Jaden Nunn type situation where you get a freshman that's done really well at the mid-major level and then, you know, get them for two or three years, that would be awesome. Uh, you know, they're they're out there. I mean, it's Baylor's going to be picking first uh, in the transfer market with all their success and, and, you know, how great the program is, the facilities, the whole package. You know, it's, it's going to be a, a very attractive uh, destination for transfers for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, KU, Baylor, Gonzaga, I think will be the top three kind of who picks guys right and the transfer portal next season. And then whatever's going on with must bust down at Arkansas makes me think that, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit different situation for him with transfers. Did they lose to Vandy? Season. They lost to Vandy last night, didn't they? I think they might have. I was, yeah, you I know, um, yeah. getting back, but I do think Baylor's in a really good spot with the transfer portal. And I've been told Baylor's NIL is in a very good spot basketball wise. Yeah. Uh, I, certainly I think they still want your donations, but I think they've got a good foundation set up there. Yeah, I agree. All right, I told you 30 minutes. It's already been 40. I know you get you get some sleep. You got jet lag. You've been listening to a Ring Before Spring podcast with Ashley Hodge, Kendall Cout, Sick and Bears.